On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Tesla has officially begun battery cell production at the Gigafactory. One state revokes Tesla's ability to sell vehicles there. The company's production and delivery numbers for 2016 are in and more. Howdy friends, welcome to episode 75 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast for January 8th, 2017. Ryan McCaffrey here joined by a very comfortable, very happy Maggie the Boxer. Uh, she has recovered nicely, uh, as usual, as, far as, as is often the case. Maggie was once again the focal point of my non-Tesla week. I'll make this quick because uh, I know a lot of you want to get to the Tesla news, and some of you may have already heard this on uh, my Twitter or my IGN show. But uh, So Maggie, you know about the, t the whole bleeding tongue thing and the whole fiasco that was, the emergency. Well, we went in for a regular checkup. What we thought was just going to be, or what I thought was just going to be a, a sedation, just like, yeah, just, you know, lightly sedate or look under the tongue, which we did last checkup. Uh, but we were with a new doctor this time, a, a specialist, a dental mouth specialist, and she uh, basically deduced there was no other possible thing that could be uh, causing this tongue lesion. So she, other than when she looked in her mouth, there were, Maggie has a couple of broken teeth, little tiny, little front bottom row teeth on the, on the, the bottom there. I just said bottom twice, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, so she's got a couple of broken teeth down there, and, and she thinks that the action of Maggie's tongue just, you know, dragging over that in and as she, anytime she licks or moves her tongue uh, out of her mouth was just exacerbating it, maybe even causing it to begin with. So she said, okay, let's take out those teeth. I'm like, okay, well, that's expensive, but let's, let's do it. I mean, if that's going to cause the problem. Plus she's, she's old. She, and she has, she needs a dental cleaning anyway, because you know, probably going to be the last one. You know, you don't want to, it gets riskier and riskier to uh, anesthetize a dog and do procedures like that as they get older, particularly Maggie uh, with her heart condition. So anyway, long story short, they get in, do mouth x-rays and find a disaster in there. Just nothing that, that I did wrong, nothing bad with her care, just uh, extra teeth that were causing problems with the teeth that are supposed to be there. There were teeth turned uh, 90 degrees in the wrong direction. There were uh, more broken teeth on the bottom there, but under the gum line, so just, they said an inf infected roots were just floating down there, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and because, so they had to excavate, get, get all that out, uh, extract rather, I guess it is an excavation. But anyway, uh, those extractions take so long because it's, you know, you're, you are excavating a tooth. You got to get way down in there and get it out. Uh, they could only safely keep her under for four hours before they just didn't feel comfortable continuing. So they got half her mouth done. So we've got to go back in two weeks for the other half of, of her mouth uh, after she heals up a bit. And so that doubles the already large bill, which is terrifying. But, you know, you can't leave, I can't leave her mouth half done. That's, um, I would never do that to her. But uh, my kind co-workers just heard the story and being uh, amazing people and fellow dog lovers and, and people on my Twitter feed too, a lot, in fact, some of you out there, uh, many of you out there maybe, uh, heard, of, heard my updates with Maggie and 
and implored me to start a GoFundMe and let's, you know, people wanted to help out, which was extremely sweet. And, you know, I was sort of wary of it. It's, you know, uh, um, but in, in any case, long story short, uh, or at least less long, uh, one of my coworkers went ahead and just set up the GoFundMe as just a, a sweet, kind, amazing thing to do. And, and uh, a bunch of people kindly, sweetly donated. And, and now uh, that's going to be taken care of. And I, I, it won't cause this big financial burden on me and my family. So I'm, if, if any of you out there that, that shared the, the GoFundMe, uh, that shared that or, or just sent me well wishes or certainly or contributed, uh, thank you so much. I mean, the good news, Maggie really bounced back strong from surgery. The, even the, the, uh, the doctor was, the vet and her assistant were kind of marveling at how quickly Maggie bounced back. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, Maggie's always been a happy-go-lucky dog, but if she's, she had infected root chunk, you know, bits of teeth floating around in there and teeth turned the wrong way and extra teeth, uh, I, I actually, I kind of feel like she's almost in better spirits than in a long time. So I wonder if, uh, if this is, if this is helping even more than just in a correctional way, if it's, if this is like, if this is sort of relieving some sort of burden she was hanging on to. So, uh, I'm looking at her now. She's just adorable resting on the couch. So just thank you all so much. Uh, even if, or if you, even if you're just hearing this about this for the first time, um, I know you're so many of you every week when you call in, you write me, you tweet me, you mention MTB and, and, uh, oh, we're always sending her well wishes. So, uh, it's been a crazy week for Maggie, but the good news is it's all ending up well. She's going to get that second surgery and, um, you know, it's still a little nervous for a 10 year old dog with a heart condition to go under for another four hour procedure, but she was very strong uh, with this one, did very well. So I'm confident she's going to be okay. We'll get the other half of the mouth fixed and, and hopefully she'll be, uh, you know, good as new, at least in the, in the mouth department. It is funny when I look at the one side that's done, she, uh, other than a few missing teeth that they did have to pull, uh, she's got enough to, to be fine, but uh, you look at one side of her mouth, the right side, and it looks like a puppy's mouth. Just pearly white, beautiful teeth. So, oh my goodness, what a week. Uh, Tesla-wise, it was a bit quiet this week, but uh, not, not super quiet. The big news this week is that battery cell production has officially begun at the Gigafactory with that 2170 cell that's going to be going into the Model 3, every single Model 3. As previously stated by Tesla... They're starting at the Gigafactory with 2170 cells for the Powerwall 2 and Powerpack 2s. Model 3 cell production, Tesla says, is expected to begin in Q2, which guess what? That's only three months from right now. That is not too far away. Tesla issued a statement saying, quote, by 2018, the Gigafactory will produce 35 gigawatt hours per year of lithium-ion battery cells nearly as much as the rest of the entire world's battery production combined. With the Gigafactory online and ramping up production, our cost of battery cells will significantly decline due to increasing automation and process design to enhance yield, lowered capital investment per watt hour of production, the simple optimization of locating most manufacturing processes under one roof, and economies of scale. By bringing down the cost of batteries, we can make our products available to more and more people, allowing us to make the biggest possible impact on transitioning the world to sustainable energy. Finally, bringing cell production to the U.S. 
allows us to create thousands of American jobs. In 2017 alone, Tesla and Panasonic will hire several thousand local employees. And at peak production, the Gigafactory will directly employ 6,500 people and indirectly create between 20 and 30,000 additional jobs in the surrounding regions. Unfortunately, we didn't get audio of any sort from Elon Musk's Q&A with the investors and analysts that toured the factory this week. Uh, Although apparently there wouldn't have been much to get anyway. Elon ended up keeping his cards very close to the vest at this, saying, uh, to use another metaphor, let's keep our Model 3 powder dry on announcements. This is a, that's according to Morgan Stanley analyst Adam Jonas, who had attended the event. Uh, at Jonas had one more write-up via, this is via Electrek. Model 3 milestones should dominate 2017. We currently expect a later launch than consensus. Remember, this is Adam Jonas, an analyst talking, not Tesla. But we also expect a better car. Elon Musk was asked to provide any update on the Model 3 ramp and timing. According to Mr. Musk, they feel, quote, pretty good about the pace of progress at the Gigafactory, which manufactures the Model 3 battery pack, electric motor drivetrain, and power electronics. He did highlight the riskiest components, uh, blah, 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 and then the, the let's keep our powder dry thing. So, uh, number one, I immediately look a little silly here because just last week I said that Elon's always good for a few juicy quotes at these things. Well, not this time. Uh, I suspect when I think about this, when, you know, kind of looking at it now that, that Elon sort of didn't say much, I suspect that Elon is, is aware or, and or has been counseled by his team that Model 3 is under such a microscope that it's, it's, it's absolutely critical that nothing be overly promised or hyped up too early. Uh, because, you know, unlike the S and X days when Elon did give a lot of updates and talk a lot more, you know, there weren't all these shareholders just waiting on, you know, for, for every, uh, hanging on every last word. So, you know, the, the Model 3 is different. I mean, this, it, there's just too much riding on Model 3. I mean, everything really is riding on the Model 3, at least as far as Elon's vision for the future of the company. So something tells me, I will say, that we're still going to have plenty to talk about over the next few months uh, because, as we know, as I certainly know well from doing this show like clockwork every week, there's barely ever a dull week when it comes to Tesla. But great to hear that the Gigafactory is actually operational. It is producing cells for commercial use. That is great. It's great for the state of Nevada. It's great for Tesla as a company. It's excellent for uh, all of us Model 3 reservation holders because, of course, the Model 3, uh, pardon me, the Gigafactory is the key or a, a big key, let's put it that way, a, a critical component uh, of our future cars. It's just good news all around that the Gigafactory is operational and it is making sales. I mean, it's great stuff. Next up this week, Tesla's full 2016 production and delivery numbers were announced. I received the email from Tesla, the announcement earlier this week. Tesla produced 24,882 vehicles in Q4, resulting in total 2016 production of 83,922 vehicles. 
Tesla notes that this was an increase of 64% from 2015's total year production. Tesla delivered approximately 22,200 vehicles in Q4, which with the split, listen to this now, the split was 12,700 Model S and 9,500 Model X, so that it is getting closer to that 50-50 split, which is exactly what I predicted after the Q3 results. Now that Model X uh, production is, has seemingly been smoothed out and thus the, the demand backlog can be filled, the five-seaters have been going out, the five-seat Model Xs. There, have been a, there are plenty of customers who had reservations down for years that were waiting on the five-seat configuration of the Model X, and those people are finally getting their cars, and that configuration is, of course, available to anybody now. So uh, that's great to see that, that, that the X continues to sell more and get closer to a 50-50 split production-wise with the S. Now, Tesla adds that when added to the rest of the year, total 2016 deliveries were approximately 76,230. So you've got a gap there of approximately uh, 7,000, almost 8,000, uh, in fact, with uh, you know, because a lot of those cars are in transit or they're they weren't fully signed off, signed over to their customers yet, etc. So, nevertheless, eighty-three, just about eighty-four thousand production uh, produced, with seventy-six thousand and change delivered. That is, of course, below their target, which had already been revised down earlier in the year. So, um, the I will say, looking at the stock price. It, the stock held fine. In fact, the stock went up, uh, which I seemingly was on the back of the Gigafactory announcement of the Gigafactory being operational. So investors, you know, who we've seen just watching it over over the last number of quarters, last few years, you know, the investors tend to be, I mean, I don't know if they're like this with other companies because I don't pay super close attention to other companies and I'm, and I'm not a stock guy, but, you know, the the stock price seems to, respond in a very volatile way in either direction at uh, quarterly reporting times for Tesla. Now, uh, we still don't know yet if the company is profitable. I suppose we'll get that if you know because Elon was saying that he hoped and he thought maybe Q4 would be profitable. He was he was careful not to promise it, but uh, we'll have to wait and get that when the results are announced. Which should be uh, what is that? It's usually, it's probably going to be next month. I think February most likely. But uh, nevertheless, this this growth year over year is really impressive. It's really impressive. And theoretically, uh, I would think that neither the S nor the X should see a ton of changes this year. So uh, therefore, I don't. We probably won't see any major manufacturing hiccups with either of those cars now that hardware 2 is rolled out and, in, and finally integrated into the production line. In fact, Tesla had cited in their announcement that the hardware 2 sort of was a hiccup in the production line, and that caused everything to be more backloaded in the quarter, which resulted in you know, production being significantly higher than deliveries because a lot of the, you know, it takes time to deliver it once it's produced. And you, know, you got to, of course, test the car, validate the car and uh, sign off on it before you can deliver it to the customer. And then you have to deliver it to the customer, which if they're not in California can take a while. So uh, anyway, my point being, again, you know, the S and X are probably not going to change a lot in 
2017 now that not only both of them have hardware 2 integrated, but also because the focus of the company and the manufacturing efforts are really going to be geared a lot towards Model 3 and trying to get that car ramped up and out the door. So uh, on that exact note, I think 2017 production is going to be extremely difficult to predict because it could be anywhere from 100,000 cars to 200,000 cars, depending on whether or not Tesla is able to make zero Model 3s in 2017, some Model 3s, or crank out a whole bunch of Model 3s, which is their their goal, is to, is to get a bunch of 3s out the door. Uh, so I, I would not even begin to wager on, on uh, Tesla's production for 2017. I would say, though, I, I would think that 100,000 cars without even a single Model 3 factored into that is pretty darn likely. At the growth rate Tesla has been, has been going at, even if Model 3's not in the picture at all, if they produced just shy of 84,000 cars this year, uh, I would think that this, the continued growth, again, the, the smoothing of the Model X ramp, uh, all and and the the lack of any hiccup from from uh, new autopilot hardware. I got to figure a hundred thousand without a single Model Three is is pretty likely. And I'll tell you, you know, I that's going to be that's a wonderful milestone if they do in fact hit that in 2017. That will be the first time that Tesla has produced a six figure number of cars ever, ever in a year. I mean, think about that for a second. Tesla has already. This is, you know, what I like to do on this show from time to time is because I think it's I think it's healthy uh, to to take just take a step back. In fact, take a lot of steps back. Take that ten thousand foot view from time to time, rather than the sort of you know boots on the ground narrow view of oh, when's my Model Three going to get here? But if you back up, if you just go be that eye in the sky and look at Tesla from above, and you you, you think. The Tesla has already defied every odd in the book by not only surviving, but thriving. Uh, to put that in perspective again, this is the thing I know, and, and it actually is a relevant comparison here because DeLorean Motor Company was the last major attempt at a new American car company. DeLorean Motor Company's best year was 1981, the first year, interestingly enough, because it was their only full year of production. They, and our best estimate that, that they built about 6,500 of the 9,000 total DeLoreans in 1981. Uh, Tucker was probably far less. Uh, Bricklin, I'm sure, was far less. Building 100,000 cars in a year is awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, again, Wall Street, we live in a time where Tesla being a public traded company by necessity. Wall Street just wants more, more, more. And again, all of us want our Model 3s. But 2017 is going to be an historic year for the company, no matter how things go with the Model 3. So that's, that's awesome. When you, again, when you, you just stop and think about that. Moving from a positive story to what is unfortunately a, a very... It's a sad, honestly, I think it's sad. I mean, it might make you angry. Uh, it, it might sadden you. Uh, and that is Tesla's ability 
to sell cars in the state of Missouri is in serious jeopardy after the uh, MADA, the Missouri Automotive Dealers Association, I wonder if that stands for Make America Dealerific Again, <laughs> but uh, getting serious, Tesla's ability to sell cars in Missouri, serious jeopardy now because uh, MADA, the Dealers Association there, successfully sued the state in order to deny Tesla a renewal of the license that they already have to operate within the state. So there are two Tesla stores in Missouri, and both of them had to close temporarily. Fortunately, for now, as of me recording this, they're back open uh, after the Missouri Court of Appeals ruled to let Tesla stay open and keep on selling in Missouri pending their appeal of the ruling. Now, I'm going to read you, Tesla posted a sign in the window of those two stores, which are in uh, St. Louis and Kansas City, by the way, which is probably what you'd have guessed. The sign read, Tesla has been lawfully selling cars in Missouri for almost four years and employs numerous people at its Missouri stores. Even so, the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association has been fighting against our ability to continue to sell, our, uh, to, sell to our customers, including through a lawsuit that it filed against us. After a recent decision by the trial court, our sales licenses were set to expire on December 31st. However, the Court of Appeals is likely to decide on January 4th whether to issue a stay of that decision to prevent an immediate and unnecessary loss of jobs, tax revenue, consumer convenience, and consumer choice for Missourians. We will temporarily close our Missouri sales locations beginning January 1st while we await the Court of Appeals' decision. We regret this inconvenience to our customers in Missouri. So, obviously, they were granted that stay. Uh, they will stay open for the time being while this is appealed. So, to me, this is where things go over the line from a simple business jealousy, a, a you know, competitive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, you know, competitive desire to beat your, to beat the other guy into what is, in my opinion, of course, as a self-admitted Tesla fanboy, but I see this as a full-blown malicious attempt at public harm. And the reason for that is because people's jobs are on the line here. People's jobs, their livelihoods. Citizens of Missouri are employed in those stores. I mean, I think about New Jersey. My cousin Sean just got hired at uh, one of the, the New Jersey stores. If suddenly this happened in New Jersey, and my cousin, who's trying to get a career started, you know, the, kid, the guy's fresh out of college, you know, and suddenly he, he were out of work, he couldn't work at Tesla anymore, his dream, you know, to, with his plan of trying to you know, get his foot in the door there, get some experience, and, and try to move his way up into, into the corporate office and get out here to California. For all I know, there are, there are people in the Missouri stores trying to do the same thing, or they, maybe they're not in there, but they're still making a living there. It, this is absurd. I, citizens of Missouri, again, uh, are directly affected by this. This is not. This isn't harming Tesla. I mean, it is, but this is harming citizens of the very state that the Michigan Automotive Dealers Association claims to serve. Tesla has created jobs. Uh, I just this. 
it it's, makes me sad and it does make me mad, honestly. Uh, I would bet the farm, by the way, uh, that the dealers have not in any way been demonstrably affected by Tesla's presence in that state for the last four years. I'll bet there's there there's no way in a in a if, if Tesla and the Dealers Association went uh, just before a, a judge and and the Dealers Association were tasked with proving that Tesla has harmed their way of life. No way, no way. Because Tesla is a new market. These are electric car buyers. These are I mean sure some of them might maybe they would have bought uh, an, another gas powered car from a dealer because. They would have had no other choice, but this this is a they are offered a new choice for a new kind of vehicle that the dealers association members have no desire to sell. So uh, it is time, you know. We do this from every now and again, and I've seen I've seen you know the results of of you kind folks out there, you know, doing something about it. It is time for a call to action on this. I know that I've got a pretty strong Missouri contingent of listeners because I've heard from lots of you guys. I would respectfully ask this week that all of you both call and write to your state senators and your state representatives. Tell them politely but firmly that you, as a citizen of Missouri, believe it to be un-American and flat-out unfair for Tesla to not be allowed to operate in your state, that you are being robbed of that choice, that because Tesla merely represents another choice in the car buying world. And it should be up to you, the citizens of your state, to decide what kind of car you want to buy and how you want to buy it. That should not be for MADA or the state to decide. That should be for you to decide. We live in a free commerce society. Uh, So please, all, all of you Missouri listeners... You absolutely can make a difference here. Uh, if, you, if you can spare yourself, you know, maybe 20 minutes to try on the phone and or the same 20 minutes to write an email uh, to look up, you know, look up those representatives' email addresses and, and uh, send an email out. I, I, think, I think it'd be great if you could do that because this is real. Because it, it'll set a bad precedent for the, uh, the rest of the country, if other dealers associations in other states see this, I know it, this is very much a state by state battle, but it's 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 not good for there's no nothing good about this for Tesla or and by by contrast for us for us Tesla owners or in my you know in a lot of our cases enthusiasts and future Tesla owners. I mean, those of you who want to get a Model Three, and you might be on the list. Well, you might you might have. Uh, you, uh, physically acquiring your car might be more difficult if this is allowed to stand. You know, think about that. <sighs> so that's bad. Uh, next bit of news here: our friend Trev Page, who runs Model3OwnersClub.com, which is a wonderful little forum there where you're welcome to join up, participate. There's lots of fun threads and discussion as we all wait for Model Three. Trev, he uh, he got himself confirmation from Tesla that CPO, Certified Pre-Owned Teslas, purchased after January 15th will lose lifetime supercharging ability. Uh, Turns out private sales are going to be grandfathered in, so no worries there. But here's the statement that Trev forwarded me from Tesla that he received. 
To clarify, you will have to either buy a new or certified pre-owned Model S before January 15th to get free charging for life. So to answer the question, yes, we've confirmed that CPO uh, will no longer have free supercharging if you put in a deposit after the 15th. So I'll be honest about this one. You know, it's important to, you know, for as enthusiastic as about Tesla as I am, from time to time, you gotta, you gotta call them on things that don't work so that hopefully they can fix it. If I, and that's, I, I got a caveat here. If I'm remembering the original supercharger policy correctly, then I'm not thrilled about this because if I recall correctly, the original policy was that unlimited supercharging would be free for the life of the car. Not the owner, you know, it's not gonna follow you from Tesla to Tesla, but I thought it was free unlimited supercharging for the life of the car. So if that's the case, that should absolutely follow to the next owner, in my opinion, even if Tesla is the one reselling the car. Uh, again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely happy to see that private sales are grandfathered in. In fact, if for those of you who are Tesla owners now uh, and may be looking to uh, you know, trade in your car at some point for a hardware two car or a Model 3, whatever, uh, this should help the private seller market on used Teslas. Should help you get a little bit more for your car uh, when you sell it privately because your a, a private sale will have superchar- unlimited supercharging for life grandfathered in. But uh, again, if my memory is correct here, I think it's a little lame uh, of Tesla to retcon that policy on CPO cars. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to make a big stink out of it, mostly because at the end of the day, I think that the new supercharger policy that these CPO cars will be subject to is pretty reasonable. Uh, as you probably heard, but two or three, I don't know how many of our many shows back now, the new policy is you'll get the, the equivalent of about a thousand miles worth of driving, worth of supercharger charging for free every year. And then each year that 1000 mile bucket will renew. So, you know, you're still going to get uh, a decent, you know, probably one free trip, one free round trip, maybe even two, depending where, you know, how far you're going. But uh, again, it, if, if I am remembering correctly on that, I think it's, it's still kind of an unfortunate, unfortunate uh, ch- policy change for Tesla there. Finally this week, firmware 8.1, which was promised to begin reintroducing autopilot features into hardware 2 cars, did start to roll out. They, uh, they rolled it out to the first thousand cars, but Tesla is going to take it slow and validate it over millions more miles before deploying it to more and more cars in the fleet as it, uh, as it feels comfortable doing so. So if you are an S or an X owner, hang tight because it is coming pretty soon. All right. That's it for the news this week. I'm going to come right back. I've got, let's see, what do we got? I think one, two, four calls this week, and I'll tell you, I... Calls every week, again, they're so, you guys are so on point. I get such great phone calls, and I'm so appreciative of that. The four calls I've got locked in for this week are all fantastic, and they cover a great range of topics. So I hope you'll stick around for that right after this short little musical pause. Pause. 
It's Ride the Lightning Hotline time, the part of the show where you guys call in with your questions, comments, and discussion topics for the show. You can call in anytime you want. It's a toll-free number, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. I remind you that if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, like I do, or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Our first call this week comes to us from Rebecca in Palo Alto, who uh, wonders why I think the rumored heads-up display in the Model 3 will be an important thing. Rebecca, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. It's Rebecca in Palo Alto. Thanks for another great podcast. I just listened to your New Year's Day podcast. You mentioned, and have mentioned on a number of different podcast episodes, the Model 3 heads-up display, with or HUD. I, to my knowledge, this does not exist in any of the Tesla descriptions of the design. And I was wondering if you could articulate why you think it would be or could be important. Uh, as a Model S owner myself, I kind of understand this from a gut level point of view, but uh, I would be really interested to hear why you think a HUD in the Model 3 would be important to the design. Thanks. Hope you have a great year. Thanks for the call, Rebecca. For me, it's a couple of factors. First, we're dealing with Elon Musk here. Uh, you know, as well as I do, as a Tesla owner yourself, that he is not one to hold back on doing something cool that also has a benefit. For instance, the auto-presenting door handles on your Model S, one of many bits of evidence to that point, they're a cool thing that also enhance aerodynamics by bringing the handles of the car flush with the body. Uh, Second, to more directly answer your question of why do I think it's important, I would say that there's going to be uh, key information that will be important to have in front of you at all times. Uh, I mean, yes, there are plenty of other cars that don't have an instrument cluster directly in front of the driver, like, for instance, the Model 3 prototypes. Uh, but the Model 3 will have autopilot and eventually full self-driving capability, as we all know. So for me, it, I mean, it's one thing to force drivers to look over at a center display for their speed, but I think the autopilot information, uh, whether that information is from level two that we have now, uh, three or, or four, I just think that's gonna need to be there for the driver without them having to take their eyes off of the road. I mean, you're going to need to know, is auto steer on? Is you know, the cruise on? Uh, what's the car seeing? Uh, all this kind of information. I don't think that Elon's going to want you to be taking your eyes off the road because we know that Elon and Tesla place a big priority, that safety is a huge priority. So I think he's going to deem it important to get relevant info into the driver's line of sight if he's not going to include an instrument cluster in the car. Now, of course, Tesla has said that what we've seen of the Model 3 isn't the final interior. So, so for all I know, this whole thing is something of a moot point, And the production intent car that we're likely to see at the Model 3 Part 3 event in March or so could end up having an instrument cluster. And maybe there won't be any HUD or uh, any need for it at all. But uh, I certainly, I, I can't wait to find out. I, I'm going to be very excited for that event. I mean, that's going to be, 
If you guys heard the show last year, episode 35 it was, uh, for when I was down at the event and the whole thing, uh, that was that was a there was a lot to chew on there, and that's it's going to be real fun to do the podcast after Model Three reveal part three. Let me go now to Bob from Austin, who calls in from his Tesla about what the self-driving future will mean to him as he gets older and uh, and he sort of has to deal with the effects of that. So, Bob, take it away. Hi, this is Bob from Austin in my Tesla. And I have uh, some thoughts on the future of autonomous driving for me as I get older, and I've had a lot of practice getting older. And it won't be long before I shouldn't be driving on the road. I'll be dangerous. And the Tesla will be very life-changing for me. I will still be able to drive anywhere I want to, or actually the car will drive me anywhere I want to. I won't be dependent on my children, or I won't be dependent on calling cabs, or I won't be homebound. I will still have the freedom to go where I want, when I want, and in fact, more safely, I suspect, than I do now. So uh, there are many things coming to the future, but there's one of them that's really going to make a difference in my life someday. Thanks for the call, Bob. And you know, you bring up a benefit that a lot of us might not think about as one of the first, the first benefits that come top of mind of level four and level five self-driving cars. You know, our bodies betray all of us to some extent as we age. And there are, as you note, both people that can't drive anymore and others that shouldn't. I'll give you an example from my life. My, my great aunt, my, great, my aunt Jean, who passed away a few years ago at the age of uh, 84, she's an example of shouldn't drive. She lived alone uh, on the next, the next street over from my parents. Uh, she, her whole life, she lived with her sister. They, they lived together their whole lives. Uh, that, but that sister had passed a few years before that. So my aunt Jean lived alone. Uh, and and she was pretty healthy. She was leading a, a very full and normal life. But right near the end, she just got to a point where uh, she'd be out in her car and she had hit, uh, in a very sort of short amount of time, she'd hit a, uh, I don't know if you can picture these, but if they have them in your town, uh, a crosswalk sign that's in the middle of the road to tell you that, you know, hey, children, you know, slow, ch- school, school, uh, crosswalk children there one of those signs sitting in the middle of the road uh, fortunately there were no kids there at the time and then uh shortly after that she actually did hit another car in a very minor way thankfully nobody was injured so it got to a point where my mother and my uh aunt with my mom's sister because uh, aunt jean was their aunt you know again my great aunt they sort of were acting as her unofficial caretakers, they eventually had to take the car away from her. And, and I can, I mean, as someone, I love cars. I've always loved to drive ever since I was a little kid. I'll tell you a quick little silly anecdote. I loved to drive. I loved cars so much that when I was a kid, I always had to sit my seat because I also have a, a sister. My seat was of course, the back seat, but behind the driver, because I always wanted to be on the driver's side so I could sort of pretend I was driving. And what I would do is I would take a wrapped up umbrella, you know, a non-deployed umbrella, and I would just extend the handle, and then I would 
use that as a pretend stick shift. You know, like, and, and as my dad would be driving, because my dad was usually the one who drove in our family, as he would drive, I'd be watching the road, and if he was, you know, I would work the gears, my pretend gears, as if I was actually driving the car. So, you know, if we were at a stoplight, I'd be in first, and then we'd go, and I'd go to second, and then third. So uh, I've been the person that's that's been so into cars my whole life that I, I can't even imagine the emotional impact of having your driving privilege taken away from you uh, for, you know, for a good reason, you know, that, that loss of freedom would be so tough. I mean, you know, the same goes for a person of, of any age who might have a handicap that doesn't permit them to drive. So when you think about it like that, the Tesla and the self-driving cars of the future will just represent this renewed or in some cases, newfound freedom for a lot of people. And that's going to be an incredible thing for them. While, while still also, you know, keeping everyone else, keeping everyone safe on the road, you know, it's, it's, it, that, it's going to be a, a beautiful, wonderful thing for, for people to regain uh, that mobility, uh, from, you know, from away from their home or away from their residence or, or to, uh, to regain it or to have had it where they may have never had it. So that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Next up is Connor from New York. He's an old school listener. He is curious about, uh, you know, we had some CES noise by Faraday Future this week, and uh, he is he is curious about my take on it. Connor, let's hear from you. Uh, hey, Ryan, this is Connor from New York. Been listening since episode one. Consistently amazing show. But I had uh, wondered what your opinion on Faraday Future was. You touched on it a bit in the past, but after their uh, reveal of the FF91, I believe it is called, their ultra-luxury, ultra-pretty dang-cool-looking car at uh, CES. I was wondering if you even think it's going to be competition for Tesla, seeing how I read on an article on The Verge, it's going to be priced around a Bentley. Is this even going to be, like, competition, or is this going to be its entire other entity that Tesla's still going to be able to work around? And do you think Tesla's going to have to have anything to come out because they will no longer be one of the fastest production cars and no longer be the fastest EV. Will that hurt Tesla? I guess that's a discussion for the community too. If you guys think Faraday will even last because they're in some hot water financially. And if they do, is this going to be trouble for Tesla? Personally, I don't think so because the price points are completely different and Tesla's sort of getting brand recognition as a solid, amazing car company. And with what you talked about last week on the show with the fast charging rates and they have charging stations everywhere, I think Tesla's going to be fine. But I was wondering if you could add anything to this conversation to um, our listeners as well. Anyway, uh, have a great day. Hope Maggie's doing better. Donated what I could, but have a great day. So, Connor, thank you for the call. Obviously, this is a Tesla podcast, and not uh, that's what I focus on. That's what I want to keep the focus on. But Faraday Future is worth noting because they they've really made a lot of noise about being sort of you know trying to s- surpass Tesla and be the Tesla killer, and uh, they've hired a lot of ex-Tesla people. So they did finally reveal their production intent car at CES this week in Las Vegas. 
after they were expected to do so at last year's CES and instead revealed a uh, concept supercar that just could never even possibly really be built. So, you know, they'd taken a lot of heat for that. So this year they did have a, a real car and the specs on it are so ambitious as to almost be unbelievable. So there, uh, it is a um, kind of a, it, it's not a sedan, but it's not a SUV like the X either. It's sort of a halfway between kind of thing, but it's called the FF91. And it is a big old car, big car, like bigger, looks bigger than the S, but it's gonna, it's uh, said to have a 378 mile range with a 130 kilowatt hour battery, a zero to 60 time in 2.39 seconds. Yes, one 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 hundredth of a second faster than uh, the quickest Model S after its imminent uh, Easter egg firmware update. It's got super plush rear seats that are very impressive uh, to look at in pictures, at least. Uh, they, look, they look very comfortable, too. Uh, and, and just fancy everything. So... Uh, number one, so my take on this, the, the, my bottom line take is I hope they're able to build it. I hope they're able to build it, uh, because competition is good. You know, Elon Musk is, uh, well, let me, actually, let me back up a sec before I get into that point. So pricing, if they are able to build this car as they have announced it, 378 mile range, 130 kilowatt hour battery car, uh, unbelievable performance with uh, unbelievably posh backseat. I mean, it's there is no way I could possibly see them building that car for less than two hundred grand. I mean, that's for you know as far as this the sales price, the sale price of it. it so it would be an ex, a very expensive car. Now there is a place for that. Uh, that's Tesla started at the, at the top of the market and worked their way down, sort of, with uh, the, going from the Roadster to. The S and the X. I know, of course, the top end S and X now top out higher than the Roadster ever did, but um, that's that. But they also go all the way down in the S's case to what sixty eight thousand now, I believe, is the the base price before any incentives. But uh, so the price it's going to be expensive if if uh, Faraday builds this. By the way, I want to thank. I don't have his name in front of me, but there was a gentleman on the Model 3 Owners Club website that, that actually kindly corrected me on the pronunciation, uh, noting that I, I didn't know this, that Faraday is actually named after uh, a, a scientist. So now I know Faraday, not Faraday or Far, Far, Faraday, <laughs> but Faraday. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, it it's definitely seems smart to even if it is super expensive to start at the top of the market, work your way down, move your work on your economies of scale and learn your lessons and and go move down market. But the fact is they don't have a factory. They don't appear. There's no active construction happening on their factory in Nevada. Uh, there was the big expose. I don't know if expose is quite the right word, but the the very damning feature story that Jalopnik ran a few weeks ago. Uh, you know that they've done a lot of reporting on, saying that that it, it appears that uh, Faraday is sort of built on a house of cards. So I mean that's that's not good. And then the other thing is, okay, 378 mile range car, that's great, but 
no announcement of a fast charging network, no, you know, no supercharger esque network. And, you know, a big fat long range battery like that isn't going to do you too much good, uh, on, on a, on anything other than, you know, your local area, your sort of inner city travel, unless, unless you can charge that battery quickly when you're out and about. So, um, those are my concerns with the car, but you know, what I started to say, uh, the, the, the note I had written down, you know, remember that Elon Musk, we've seen, I think, I think there's enough evidence that, that, that shows us pretty definitively that Elon Musk is here for the greater good. However, he is also a human being who does have an ego, as we all do. I mean, I'll give you an example. Remember when Elon was asked about fuel cells? Do you remember? He literally laughed. Uh, on a on a this was on like an analyst call, he he just laughed. So you know that's that's ego talking. Like you know that's <laughs> that's a little bit of ego, and not in a bad way, mind you. That's not not a bad thing. And even la- just last week, remember on last week's show when he uh, called three three hundred fifty kilowatt charging you know, sort of the, as a, a faster charging solution that that other manufacturers were collaborating on. He called that a child's toy when teasing Supercharger version 3. That's also ego. You know, that there's a little ego there. Like, you know, that's he's being playful, but that's what that is. So my point is, if Faraday can actually build the FF91 as they have shown it, and they do happen to beat the Model S by even one one-hundredth, of a second on that zero to 60 time, don't doubt for a second that Elon is going to do something about it, which is only going to make better Teslas for those of us who decide to buy Teslas as opposed to Faraday, you know, FF91s or anything else. So I, I definitely, I do hope that the FF91 gets made and, and I hope it's good because it'll put more pressure on not just Tesla, but other automakers to get in the game. Even if it's the high-end premium sedan market that I personally can't afford, but it's just a good thing for, you know, it's always, always good competition is healthy for everybody. But I do have to say, I, I know I've seen a lot of real, you know, I don't want to call it trolling, but just uh, so a lot of unkind words said about, about uh, Faraday and a lot of sort of di- dismissive words. You know, I'm not... I'm not there yet. I mean, because again, if you ask Elon, he this is what he wants. He's wanted this for a while. He's wanted people to copy him. Go back to the Motor Trend Car of the Year acceptance speech when he literally said, I hope people copy us after this, after Model S won Car of the Year unanimously. I hope others copy us. And it just hasn't happened. So he's probably on one level thrilled that Faraday is is uh, trying to ramp up. Uh, there may be an ego side of him that because they employ some ex-Tesla folks and they've sort of really seen Faraday has really targeted their marketing at Tesla. And it's honestly, it's, it's, it's a smart move on their part because Tesla gets a ton of press and they're, you know, they're a, a very buzzed about company on a daily and weekly basis. So, you know, if you're poking the the bear that <laughs> poking the lion that does get the attention you are by by uh extension going to also get some attention yourself but 
I, so I'm not dismissive. I, I, I'm not, you know, that Jalopnik report, I read it. It was, it is very damning. It's, it's not, uh, does not paint a pretty picture, but I, I am skeptical. You know, I'm very skeptical based on all, all of that information and the fact that as Tesla has learned themselves the hard way, and, you know, I've been watching it for, well, I've been watching since, you know, well before Model S. And so I've, I've been watching them since they went from assembling Roadster gliders in the, in the small back building of the Menlo Park showroom facility to getting their own factory and building it up and, and actually, you know, mass producing cars. You know, it's hard. It's extremely difficult to build a car, let alone a new car, let alone, an, you know, uh, a new car from scratch. So Faraday has a long road ahead of them, but, and, and you know, their finances are allegedly in, in very uh, difficult shape right now. So we'll see. I'm skeptical, but let's see if they can do it. I mean, it's, it would not be, it would not adversely affect any Tesla fan for Faraday to actually produce a car. So we'll see. Uh, caller number... Th- oh, we're up to last call this week. Yes, caller number four is Paul from Texas who wants to talk about leasing versus buying. This is a topic that has come up on the show before, but uh, Paul sort of raises some interesting points that are worth discussion. And this is just, you know, this is a topic worth revisiting from time to time. So Paul, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Paul from Texas. I wanted to get your thoughts on leasing versus buying a Tesla. Uh, I've bought all my cars all the time I've been driving, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to pay them off early than the term of a loan. And the idea of renting a car just really rubs me the wrong way, you know, dumping money into something I won't own. I've never leased a regular car, never would, but Tesla's not a regular car, so I'm thinking about it. It's taking cars kind of to the place where cell phones are, where you get a new cell phone or a TV set. You know, TVs used to last 20 years. Now people are replacing them every four to five, I guess. I don't know. I know there's some disadvantages to leasing, uh, the big one being mileage. That shouldn't be a problem for me because I don't drive that many miles. I'd love to know what you think about it and your audience as well. Uh I, I just don't know. I, I'm looking to get a Model X probably the middle or late this year, and I'll, I will have the money to buy one, but as fast as technology is moving and you think, okay, these, definitely I can get it now, and now, oh, supercharger version 3, you know, there's always that next thing. Like, when are you going to buy a computer? When is it ever going to be enough? You know, computer on wheels, basically. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts and your audience. Thanks. Bye. Well, Paul, as I mentioned, this has come up before, but we're fortunate enough to have uh, a lot of new people uh, on the pod, listening to the podcast these days that, uh, again, this is a topic worth revisiting, because it's, and it's going to come up again. So let me first preface this by saying that I, I try to remind people of this all the time. I'm not a financial expert, nor have I ever leased a car. I've bought a grand whopping total of three cars at different points in my life. Uh, and they've two of them were private sales, and one my Infinity was from new from the dealer. But Paul, you are absolutely correct. I think that it's worth at least considering a lease on a Tesla, because while yes, there are mileage restric- restrictions, 
And yes, it's not really quote unquote yours, but you can turn it in after three years and get another Tesla that might be way better uh, so long as you don't mind just having that monthly payment as opposed to trying to pay something off. Now, Tesla has the reason, the, the case for leasing a Tesla is that Tesla has improved the Model S quicker than any car I can ever remember seeing. I mean, uh, I, was, I think I was just saying an episode or two back, look at an original Model S, a 2013 Model S, or 2012 even, versus a 2016 Model S. Just on the interior alone, it's a night and day difference. Forget about the rest of the car, where there are literally hundreds of changes and improvements that you can't see that are all under the hood. So in your case, Paul, since you want an X, it's a little bit of a different story. First of all, I'll say uh, every Tesla, of course, as you know, has hardware two now, complete with that uh, 40 times better processing power. So I think you're pretty future-proofed as far as level four, level five self-driving goes. Second of all, uh, Elon has admitted that he should have ramped up the feature set of the Model X in stages and added things to the car, new things to the car as they went, instead of cramming in all the cool stuff at once. He, he straight up said that. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. but So I take that to mean that we should not expect to see significant changes or improvements to the X in the next probably couple of years the way that we have seen that uh, with the Model S. So I'm not going to advise you what to do because I only, I only know what you told me. I don't know your whole situation. But I will say that I think that the Model X has a lower chance of leaving you with any regrets about buying it instead of leasing it than the S would have in its second year, which was back in 2013. But then again... <laughs> then again, the Model Y will be coming down the pipe. So, Paul, would would a, would a smaller version of the X appeal to you? Do you, or do you like the size? The fact that the X is big. So you you know you just have to think about that as you weigh your options. But between the cool stuff crammed into, into the X already, and hardware too being on any Model X that you'd order now, uh, I think you're going to end up happy whether you decide to lease or buy. I think, I think, uh, I know that's like a really lame, uh, very almost political answer. Well, you'll be happy either way, but I, you know, again, uh, I'm not a financial advisor and I don't know your whole situation. So I wouldn't pretend to, you know, have any sort of expertise as far as definitively pushing you in one direction or another, but hopefully thinking about it, uh, hopefully my breakdown there may, may have helped, helped you weigh the options a little bit better. All right, again, those were four fantastic phone calls. I could use some more. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, using all the, pretty much everything every week. I know, again, people have been on vacation over the holidays. Uh, but, you know, with lots to talk about in the world of Tesla, give me a call anytime. You can leave a message 24-7. That toll-free number, again, is 1-888-989-8752. Or you can... Just record your thoughts straight into your phone. 
Again, try to keep it to a minute, minute and a half tops, uh, whether you call or do, do a, a recording on your phone. And you can always just email me that recording to the podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. All right, I'll be right back here to wrap things up for you. Some final thoughts right after this. First, I want to mention that uh, if you haven't already, I'd be mighty grateful if you might take a look at the Patreon page for the show, which is at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Uh, if you get a lot out of the show every week, you love it, it helps you, and it entertains you, informs you, maybe consider uh, a pledge. I do put a, a lot of hours into the show every week, so uh, anything you may be uh, able to contribute would be certainly appreciated. But if not, no worries. I will still be here for you each and every week. Uh, I want to thank the newest Patreon producers. We've got a few of them this week. These are the kind folks that are pledging at the $20 or higher level each month. And those new folks are Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, and Michael Lester to go along with Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Nick Hoffman, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, David Kittle, and Lisa Kaz. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can always email me. Again, the show's email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Ah, of course, Abstract Ocean for you Tesla owners and non-owners alike. There are a bunch of cool Tesla accessories and just fun things. And you can get 20% off your order by using the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout. So check out abstractocean.com. Dave T is weekly Tesla newsletter. Also, like this podcast, is delivered like clockwork every Friday. uh, It's in the morning Eastern time, maybe early afternoon, or pardon me, morning Pacific time, about uh, probably early afternoon or so every Friday uh, Eastern time. Sign up for Dave T's free weekly Tesla newsletter at teslaweekly.com. I want to, of course, thank Gene and the fine folks at teslarati.com for continuing to help get the word out about this podcast. They do an excellent job of staying on top of all things Tesla on a daily basis. And uh, I think that about wraps it up. Yes, Most of you probably subscribe to the podcast. If you don't subscribe, maybe consider doing so because then it just gets delivered right to you. You don't have to go out and seek it. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed, which you can find on the show's hosting website at teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. So for a uh, very... Sleepy, Maggie the Boxer, and I have to add, uh, somewhat flatulent over there. I hope none of that picked up on Mike during the course of the show. Uh, but yes, again, cannot thank you all enough for your well wishes for Maggie. But whether it was this week or any time over the last few months, as you know, Maggie's had a, a tough couple of months. But she's doing well now. We got, like I said, one more surgery to go in a couple weeks. Then, uh, you know, her mouth is going to be... I mean, it might literally be in better shape than ever if she's been, you know, she's had these extra teeth and things her whole life that I never knew about. So, uh, yeah, she's going to be good. 
And I'm just so relieved because my goodness, that, you know, that dog means the world to me. She's, she's, you know, she was my rock through a divorce when I was, uh, you know, got married young a while back. So anyway, um, for all things Tesla, I appreciate you coming to me here at Ride the Lightning. I hope, you know, I, I certainly don't expect to be your lone source of Tesla news. If I am, I hope I'm doing a decent job for you. But uh, hopefully I am part of your weekly Tesla experience here uh, on Ride the Lightning. So happy electric motoring, motoring everybody. If oh, I'm mad. <laughs> I really got to go to bed. All right, I will see you guys next week.